your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome to the big interview show. Uh, tonight we are speaking to uh, Southern Sunday uh, representatives uh, on our lockdown series. At the moment it's a lockdown series. Hopefully we'll have some uh, football to talk about in the not too distant future. Uh, today I'm joined by Hugo from Sporting Continental, Billy from Junction Elite and Alex from Westminster Wanderers. Uh, Southern Sunday, a league that um, I recently really found out about in the last 18 months, uh, doing my research on, on various leagues that I could help to add some coverage for and shine a light on, on all different leagues uh, in grassroots football. It's a standard chartered league, uh, one of the very few Sunday leagues to hold that, um, that, that, that uh, higher status. Uh, also, 100 plus teams play in the Southern Sunday. Uh, I think it's the biggest league in London. Uh, which is a massive, a massive thing for the league. Um, a really hard-working uh, uh, committee, com- committee from what I've seen on on social media. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but yeah, Hugo, Billy, and Alex, thanks for joining me. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, if each of, if you could tell me a bit about your teams, I know you're all pretty well-known teams, and you're and you're you're good. Um, with your social media as clubs. Uh, but Hugo, let's start with you guys and tell us a bit about Sporting Continental. Um, right. Well, where do I start? I suppose, actually, the best place for me to start with Sporting Continental would actually be with Westminster Wanderers because me and Alex actually go back a long way. So the first time I ever heard about the Southern Sunday or I ever played in a, for Southern Sunday, I actually played for Westminster Wanderers back when I was 17. So that's the first time I learned about the Southern Sunday. Uh, I think I spent three seasons with Westminster Wanderers, three very good seasons, very well-run club, to be fair, Um, and took a short break. And I remember always, well, at that time, it was a case of me and Badger uh, would all our friends were starting to move to different parts of London, out of town. Some people even like, you know, myself, I don't even live in London at all. I've got players that live in Bristol. And it was just a case of what can we do to make sure everyone stays in contact? Because um, life happens, people all go their separate way, lose touch and everything. And the idea was to start a football team. And that's really how we came about. Um, my players hate it when I mentioned this because it's been mentioned loads of times we were in the KFC <laughs> when, when we were formed uh Badger was having a hundred popcorn chickens um <laughs> but yeah so that's how that's how we came about and uh unfortunately our first season it was too late to enter the Southern Sunday so we ended up playing in Essex which a lot of people obviously now we play in South London a lot of people listening will probably be like well yeah that's a that's a long journey um but not much has changed now in terms of because of where all my players actually come from so the commitment was there to be fair from there and then the season after that is when we joined the Southern Sunday to be fair that last season uh no it wasn't actually we this is our second stint in the Southern Sunday okay so our first stint was I think I want to say 2015, 16. Um, And then the season after that, we, we, we folded pretty much. You could say we folded um, just lack of commitment from certain players, too much loyalty shown to people that didn't deserve it on my behalf, I would say. Um, And then we took a year out and then we came back. We'll get back to the shark tag that's been put on you boys uh, in in a little while. Bit sharky, our uh, Sporting Continental. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that. Congratulations on the London Cup win, by the way. Well done and getting Thank that you. in. Uh, Billy, let's go to uh, Junction Elite, a club uh, that has many teams uh, as part of the family of Junction Elite. Also a club that does a lot of things uh, in the community. Uh, tell us, Tell us the story of Junction Elite. Uh, so Junction Elite has actually been a club that's only been around for two years. Yep. But years years ago, they were known as Keith House. Um, obviously, the chairman, he's so busy. That's why I'm on here today. Um, yeah. So he actually formed Keith House from a group of boys from the secondary school he worked in. And they're the team that I play in now. That's the, they're the same players, 
all stuck together and he's kept them the whole way through. And basically, he's just built the team now and he's got 14 youth teams, eight men's teams. And myself, I run the, the youth department for him and he runs the, the men's. But as you said about the community, there's, there's the amount that gets done. It's not just football. There's things such as, as you would have recently seen, providing young adults with jobs. It's not yep. it's going for a tough time at the moment, but still trying to sort of keep in contact with everyone. There's over 300 players to keep in contact with, bearing in mind. Mm. Is that um, important? Is that important to the chairman of yeah, uh, Junk Street? Yeah. That it's more than just yeah, a football club? Yeah, people are like, I have, I have people messaging me saying, where's Stocker? Where's Stocker? Because obviously me and him are always talking, sorting things out. And it, honestly, you look at his WhatsApp and you could have messaged him 10 minutes ago and you'll be at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what it gets like. But it's just constantly, he, he does he does what he what he can. And luckily he's got, obviously, every volunteers behind him. Such as, uh, there's loads of people I couldn't even mention. Them. Um, the charity, obviously, we have the charity uh, set up. Yeah. And, uh, well, there's, there's so much that the club does. As I said, it's not just football. We've we just recently started the uh, futsal, first club in the UK to uh, buy a tech ball uh, table, which we're going to uh, start to challenge some teams to. I'm sure. They gave it curvy, So um, yeah, we'll have our own uh, little tournaments going. Brilliant. So uh, we'll be calling a few out, um, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, the women's vet. Uh, use everything and basically we just want to we want there to be an option for everyone no matter who you are what you do the ability you play at there's always going to be something for you and as I said there's people that come in and do photography but it's not just on the pitch you can come in and be a fundraiser you can anything you want it's just you're not if you're feeling alone that's it it's You've got, that's why we say a family, because you've got a family around you. It's not just, you're not alone anymore. That has got to be some kind of record to be, to get all that done in two years. Bloody hell. That is, that is, uh, that yeah. is a lot of work in two years. This lockdown, it feels like it's been two years. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the amount of stuff we're getting done now, it's crazy. So, Alex, on to Westminster Wanderers, another team with with multiple uh, multiple adult sides, at least, in the Southern Sunday. Uh, tell us a bit about the club. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Yeah, it's really great to hear um, Billy's story. Both Junction Elite and Sporting Continental have been great additions to the Southern Sunday uh, League. They are competitive, they are good sides, but they help build a league. And it's great to hear Billy's story about how uh, Junction Elite are building all that work off the pitch as well as on the pitch. Our journey was um, slightly different. We started in 1999, so that was um, now in our 22nd year. And it was really a group of, group of blokes who were not quite good enough to play at a decent level at, on Saturdays anymore. Yeah. Um, the club that we some of us came out of was the Westminster Casuals, who are now playing the Surrey Southeast uh, combination. And Westminster, we met in a pub in Westminster. I suppose it's worth noting that we all had a sort of political or government background. We worked in the media, politics, civil service, and many people still do. And over the past 22 years, uh, we've got a club now has four sides. Three sides are genuine uh, adult uh, sides. The first team's pretty good. The second and thirds are less good, but that's in the nature of those things. And a couple of years ago, we set up a youth side to give something back, as uh, Billy and um, uh, Billy was saying. And uh, that new side was built around a core of young, unaccompanied asylum seekers. And we found them through a charity in um, our Lambeth. And they've done really well over a couple of seasons. It's just a shame as we get on to the way things have been uh, disrupted. And I think the final uh, point I would make is to back up what others have said about the importance about giving something uh, back. Over the years, we've done various bits of charity uh, work. We've provided... Um, uh, support to football clubs in Africa. We sent them kits. We sent guys out there to help train and coach them. And all those things mean that you're actually better footballers when you come back because you've learned so much. But yeah. clearly, that's not for everyone. But I think it's a good thing to do. Absolutely. How do you run the uh, How do you run the teams? Is there a, Is there a pathway to the first team, or are they all independent sort of 
teams? Well, um, of course, my role as uh, as chairman of Westminster Wanderers is to persuade them we have one club. In their own minds, they're all like Man City and all independent <laughs> spectrum and different. Yeah. Uh, we get a reasonable amount of movement, but actually the league, you know, quite rightly, as you've got now clubs like um, Junction and others who've got numerous teams, they're quite careful to say you can't just move players around, and that's right. So the squads are flexible, but the core uh, remain uh, the same. And the characters that build the sides, the people who lead the teams, also attract particular types of um, players. So you always get a bit on. I don't want to play on his side because I don't like him, but that's yeah. natural, probably yeah. even in the Premier League. Uh, so this is a question to all of you, really. How do you how do you find the cost side of, of running a team? Obviously, Junction Elite must have huge, huge outgoings with the amount of teams they've got. And obviously, uh, the, the fundraising and that must be a full-time job for someone uh, in, in itself. But how, how do you find uh, the, the money side of things running a club, especially if you're playing in you know the areas that you guys play in are obviously quite expensive and and all that in in terms of property or I don't know if the pitch prices match that match that type of level but how how do you find the whole fundraising and money raising for clubs in the current climate and in the in these times we live where you know match days can cost 250 300 pounds just to play one game anyone can anyone go Hugo you go first Oh, Obviously, you've got to pay about £100 a, a, a week just to get down from uh, Milton Keynes to, to play a game. Yeah, I take it out of uh, Drage's uh, wage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, again, it's good that you've got three clubs like us here, I think, because you're going to get literally three different sides of the story. Um, I think subs, of course, people... Play, pay pay subs every season in terms of like they will pay a registration fee for us because our pitch our pitch isn't the cheapest um, it's not the most expensive out there it's a uh, hundred and twelve I think per game and uh, that doesn't involve the referees fee mm. um, so pretty much everyone that plays well that gets registered they will pay between eighty to eighty to a hundred pounds, but they get a tracksuit with that money as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not they're just paying it and that's it. And then we also charge um five pounds per game home and the way. And then that helps pay for the ref. And uh the rest of the money, if there is any money left over, we end up putting it towards things like um a Christmas do or we put it behind a bar. Um for example, uh, after our first season we flew out to Malta as a team. Some of the money that we had in the kitty went towards that. Um, we played against three teams out there. One was a Division Three team, and they helped pay for the pitches over there. It was a fantastic experience, to be fair. Um, the boys want to do it again. Um, but at the same time, we also um, have are fortunate enough to... A lot of our players know people that own businesses, and uh, we get some sponsorship through them, like Energy and Eagle, for example. Um just recent, well, I say recently this season, they've become our sponsors, um, but they are not not one of those companies that you hear the name of, you probably think who, but in the background, they they do things like, they, they work with Bellator, they work with um, Forest Green Rovers, they work with a lot of teams up in Scotland, uh, which that helps as well. But I would say the bulk of the club's income to pay match fees and, things like that and the pitch fees comes from the players themselves to be honest okay. Fair enough Westminster how, how, how do you run that is that a similar setup yeah I agree entirely with Hugo uh, he's right it's interesting he said 80 to 100 uh, we charge 60 annual he's charged a fire a game we charge a tenner a game I think the best lesson I can offer Andrew is that I woke up I guess about six years ago and realised that the club owed me about £3,000 <laughs> and that was the point at which all the stuff where you didn't collect the subs and didn't run do the fundraisers added up and we yeah. got a good treasurer in and he's been uh, brilliant, uh, Neil, and we've been really tough on subs and we have a Christmas social and we have a, um, a summer social, the annual awards uh, dinner and we've got the thing back on track. But each year we have to raise £16,000, which is, you know, uh, tough for and it's proportionate for our uh, club, but you've got to keep up with the cash, otherwise the thing is in danger of falling over. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Junction Elite, I guess that's a special case. 16 grand. I bet you wish it was 16 grand a year for you guys. Uh, what sort of lengths do you guys go to to raise cash and, and keep that going? I don't think we really need to go into individual team cases for you guys, but how do you how does that get funded? Is it a charity? You said you got a charity thing. Is that do you use donations to run the entire club? Or I mean it must be such a job for someone. That is that's the long term aim to basically have the charity provide the football. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get the water. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell you. It was was just 20 pounds that went into everyone's. (laughs) But, um, well, yeah, basically, the charity only recently just just come about because it got to that point where we've always been a club that, I mean, we charge what, £20 a month, some people pay, £15 a month. They, we provide for a lot of young adults that are taking that transition into, into work where, I mean, some people, they might have not have that support from parents. Uh, and it's sort of, you take that responsibility on yourself. I mean, Aaron Stoffer, the chairman, I think, like Alex said, I think he's starting to realise only now how much the club owes him. And it, <laughs> It's getting to that point now where it's not you being greedy and asking for more. It's just coming to the point where, as you, you said, can't give it. You can't give any more sometimes. You can't. You just, yeah. You give everything you can. Now the charity's been set up. That is called the Junction Link Project to basically provide for those that can't. Obviously, there's people that that can, and some people pay extra. I mean, now we've got the kids and everything like that. So we moved from Clapham Common actually. Uh, this season to Chiswick. We moved a couple of teams over to Chiswick. I mean, Tappan Common, don't get me wrong, price is great, but I mean, I mean, we were getting slated by everyone. I don't worst. want to come, yeah, worst pitch, blah, blah, blah. but it is, it's a public, you, I mean, you could turn up one morning and before you put the nets up, you're, you're picking beer up. I mean, anything, you're just checking that there's no glass. And yeah. I mean, and it, that's where it gets like, but you have to think of the cost, the cost of it. I mean, even now, we charge our players monthly. We don't. We don't charge yearly. Um, and you're getting all your all your pitch fees through, and you're thinking, right, where's this money coming from? And I mean, I think, we have- I think monthly monthly is definitely the better way to do it, in my opinion, because at least you get yeah. that lump. You get the lump at the beginning of the month. Plus, if you ask someone for forty quid on payday. It's easier for them to find 40 quid on payday than to find a, a tenner three weeks later when they're probably skinned and they're hanging yeah. on for payday. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. So um that's the yeah, that's how we basically run it. But the um the overall aim is to have football for all. I mean, we just for free. We've just set up the uh, GoFundMe to try and sort of boost it, but you're you're asking people at a time like now to, to give the club money and get nothing back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're just hoping for someone generous to come along and say, "Here you go." But you always want to give back, and that's, that's what we're trying to do. Exactly. Andrew, one, one, one thought inspired by what Billy uh, said: uh, we halve the fees for our, our youth uh, team, and what enables to get the youth team going and fund it was that we found out through the Sun Sunday League about the football foundation grants. Now these are a mystery to me as to when they come along. And um, uh, we applied and we were a bit surprised we got enough money to get the, keep the youth team uh, going. Another Southern Sunday club has applied to a different scheme run by Sport England, which just popped up there. Um, and they weren't successful. And I don't understand uh, why. So I think the, the leagues, the FA, do a bit more to explain when these funds are going to come along, how you apply, how you're successful. And uh, so on, because sometimes they seem hidden rather than yeah. anything else. They um, are kind of hidden. Yeah, I ve- you very rarely see any of it tweeted out by the FA or apply for this or apply for that. Very, very rarely do you see it. Or like Alex said, um, Southern Sunday, Graham in particular, in particular is fantastic with these things. Like as soon as he, he hears about it, he will tell, he will send out an email to literally every club yeah. in the league and lets us know when that's happening. If it wasn't for him, half of these grants, I would have never heard of. There's two people really at the moment in in Sunday football. They really stand out as they go way above and beyond uh, for their teams. And one of them is Graham because I don't know the guy, but obviously I follow the league on, on social media and, 
you know, he goes out on a Sunday morning and does pitch inspections and tells the teams, yeah, your pitch is okay to play. And that, you know, some people might see that as busy. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to Graham. Ultimately, it's the referee's decision whether the game goes ahead or not. But I think when I when I thought about it, and I, you know, you did, some players like your players, Hugo, if you're travelling from Milton Keynes or or Bristol or so, whatever it, wherever it was, some ridiculous sort of distances to play Sunday football, then someone like Graham doing that is such a massive thing. Like teams don't think about that. They moan when they have to pay their, their fines and they don't put their match cards in on time or they don't attend a meeting and they get fined. But all this stuff that the committees put in, all the extra time and all the extra, it's such, it's such a brilliant, I think that the detail that they go into because they care so much for the leagues. The other guy is Jason Verillo from West uh, from Westford. He's exactly he's he's so he's like that as well. They don't do the pitch inspections, but Graham really has stood out as someone that um, he's he's a real grassroots hero and um, he's he seems such a such a top bloke. To he, he may be strict, I don't know. He may be strict, and some of the clubs that listen to this might think, Andrew, you've got this, you've got this wrong, but. Uh, for me, from the outside looking in, knowing what the, the minimum bits that I know about the league, that Graham seems like a real top guy and what a brilliant person to have at the I'll top. Be, I'll be honest. Um, Graham is a, a pain in the ass. However... Yeah, he has to be. A hundred percent. However, you will not find somebody who wants to succeed in what they do in Sunday football, you won't find anyone like him. The guy is, like I said, he's a pain in the ass, but he's amazing. He's literally amazing. It's what you say, he goes above and beyond. Um, not just, and he doesn't do it for himself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He does it for, for other teams. Like getting up in the morning, doing these pitching these pitch inspections, he's not gaining anything from that. If no. anything, he's losing sleep. He works yeah. for the NHS as well. So it, it's a case of like, whew, Honestly, he's always got a lot on his plate outside of Southern Sunday. And don't get me wrong, it's not just him. Like, he's backed by a very, very good team like Mark Steer, um, Dawn, uh, and everybody else. But, of course, uh, Graham knows I love him. Uh, and I call him a pain in the ass as a joke. But, honestly, you, he, he's, he's only a pain in the ass if you're not doing what you're supposed to do properly. And I think that's where... That's where, like you said, oh, you've got this completely wrong. I think that's where their reputation comes from. A lot of the teams that complain and say things about Graham that aren't so flattering are teams that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You, you will seldom find a team saying something bad about him that they, they've done what they're supposed to do. Do you reckon that one, guys? Alex, Billy? Graham, Graham uh, rescued the uh, Southern Sunday. 100%. Uh, although... Uh, I voted against him uh, trying to do it. I mean, the Southern <laughs> Sunday was set up after the Second uh, World War by a group of uh, men, ex-soldiers, Marcus Lipton, who was the Labour MP for Brixton. Hence, we have the Marcus Lipton Cup to this day. But when we joined um, uh, in 2000, it was down to 20 sides. And yeah. the football was pretty rough, even by Southern Sunday, even by Sunday standards at, at that time. And Graham had a vision. And he's gone and implemented that vision. He said it's going to be the best league in London, take part and take pride, 100 clubs. He's actually done it. But he's done it because he's got meticulous attention to detail. I agree entirely with what Hugo uh, says uh, about him. When it came to a big AGM where he was standing as secretary to modernise the league against a brilliant football man, Tony Eldridge, who didn't want to modernise, didn't like the internet, didn't use the internet, didn't want electric um, communication, all that stuff. I voted for Tony against Graham because I felt that was in the traditions of the league, but I was wrong. Graham was right and Graham won that vote and went on has done um, uh, great things. So I think there's a big message there that if you want to progress, you've got to get with the times, you've got to um, uh, modernise. As you know, This year we brought in um, payment by card rather than handing over £10 notes on a Sunday morning. So it's all progress. Really, brand new team essentially to Southern Sunday. What's your first impressions been so far? Uh, it's, it's, it's run perfect. You don't wake up in the morning and there's no uncertainty, like you were saying, whether your game's going to be on. And as Hugo said, he's just he's on everything. You can't put a foot wrong. And as you said, if, if you do put a foot wrong, you're in trouble. But he, he don't only just run the league. He'll turn up and if there's one ref you don't want, it's probably him. <laughs> because there's no leniency. <laughs> oh, oh, mate, he loves giving away a pen yeah. as well, by the way. Yeah. Jesus. Loves the penalty. 
He's like the Mike, the Mike Dean of ref. So that's where I see him. But no, we're ref friendly, he, guys. We're ref friendly. Don't forget that. We are. We are. And you know what? He, he's an entertaining ref. You can't you can't help but have a bad game. One minute he's shouting at you, next minute he's having a laugh, a joke, and you, you've messed up. And he, he, as, as, we've been in it two years. And I mean, if it was a bad league, I don't think we would have entered another five, six teams. But no. we would have moved. Well, um, well, that, that... Like the leagues, but like Sporting Continental, you'll get told, and we've been told, ah, oh, you're playing in the, in the Southern Sunday, 100%. And, and you can't prove anything. And everything. But why are you going to switch a league that, that's run so well just to go and prove that you can beat certain teams? It don't really make sense to me. Is being a charter standard league uh, important to clubs like yourselves? Does that mean? Do you, that you do you support that? Is that is that something that's important to clubs? And also, obviously, if you're part of the league, the standard chartered league, then you need to be uh, chartered standard or sorry, whatever the thing is yourself. So, is that important for clubs? I think it's a Absolutely. nice badge, Andrew. But I think, um, uh, sorry, Hugo. I think they've got to. Uh, I've got to think they've got to show that they mean it. I mean, uh, Bill is right about um, Clapham uh, Common, and while I've seen. Um, uh, Hugo play like Messi on uh, Clapham. Uh, <laughs> no way, no way. A long um, time ago. I used to be good back then. <laughs> and um, look, the FA need to come through with the money to help the, the councils rebuild, reseed, drain all the basics that the grounds and create the facilities where we actually have proud services to play on and they might be worth 100 or 150 and, and so on. So it's a good badge, it's a good standard, but we actually need them to invest in the pitches, which is what the government and um, uh, the FA have promised. Yeah, and I can't, you know, we've. I think the same problem, we have lots of guests on one of our podcasts, the Sunday League show, we cover uh, the Alberton and Bromley, uh, Legion Elton and uh, the Quota Municipal Sunday League in, in depth, really, three people from those leagues. And, you know, 99.9% .9 of teams say, we wouldn't mind paying the 150 quid for the pitch or the 120 quid for the pitch, but we turn up, there's no grass on it. The, the changing room's an absolute state. Just little things like that, that if people just put an effort in, put the effort into it, people wouldn't complain about the price because they'd feel like they're getting, they're getting their money's worth at least. And, um, you know, with the, with the economy, the way it's due to be in the next, well, God knows how long because of COVID uh, and all these lockdowns, um, I can't really sadly see the infrastructure being invested in uh, guys on, especially in the public, uh, the public spaces and uh, money's going to be tight for, for everybody. And uh, the councils may, may see that as a bit of a captive audience. And we're going to get, we're going to get uh, the Mickey taken out of us for a little while, I think on the, in the grassroots football uh, pitch side of things. Anyway, I'm, I'm a bit sad about that. I must say. Uh, so the Southern Sunday is a 10 division, uh, set up I believe um, where do you guys sit in that umbrella you've literally got Prem Championship and League One in this podcast okay <laughs> and, and uh, Westminster you're, you're, I know you're a top you're a Prem side aren't you yeah it's, it's, I mean one thing uh, with the likes of Junction League and Sporting Continental the whole league's got a lot more competitive than it once was but yeah we've got a, a side in the um, uh, Premier Division and then we got uh, three sides um, uh, further uh, down um, uh, four, five and seven Okay uh, Junction Elite Yeah well, the first thing's in uh, Division 1 uh, and then we got Division 5 Division 6 Division 8 and Hugo's smiling because he knows where we should be <laughs> I'm smiling because I'm gutted. This is not. This is only audio and not video. I'd love for everyone to see your hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I won't take the Mickey out of anyone's hair. You know, if you bought a Kendall from uh, Wish.com. <laughs> so, so, guys, what is 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 the measure is the measure of a league their success in county cups? Does is that the measure of the quality of in a league, or is it a little bit more than that? I think it's a little bit more than that, to be honest. I think, obviously, you you always hear about all these teams in the Orpington League uh, in, in particular, but I think it's a case of, look, we, I can only speak for my team, but we like to just focus on ourselves, to be honest. Um, at the end of the day, Sundays are 
personally for me my only day where I get to enjoy what I do I'm like Billy said there's no point of leaving a league to go and join somewhere just because of publicity do you know what I mean and you that's not play, to you don't it's not about playing against under the radar it's, it's, it's not and I, and at the end of the day um, I'll give you an example alright cool I'm gonna toot my team's horn here we we got to the to the London Cup final last year, one of the London Cup finals, and uh, in the semi final we played a team that was unbeaten in Betis's league. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's, and I think what I'm getting at by saying that is that there are good teams in every league, in every division. Um, I think there are there are teams that are playing in our 10th division, for example, that could probably compete with some teams that play in like the, the second division yeah. in other leagues for and, and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think, and obviously with a team that films their game, I can say this, I think it's being, there's, there's a bigger magnifying glass on it now than there has ever been for that reason. It's because most teams, a lot <clears> of teams even are filming their games and there's more yeah, do you out think there. That's, do you right think now. that's made the competition between leagues like uh, an Alberton and Bromley side or a Barnet Sunday team who record their games, rising ballers, takers, etc. Everyone can actually now see each other play in their games. So we can see where lots of talented players play in various leagues. Um, do you think that's raised that, that everyone gets a look on everyone? So that's why the competition is being spread across London. And unless you win the London Sunday Challenge Cup, um, you're not a good side, seems to be what people are saying. Okay. But I do think it's a little bit more than that. No, it's a little bit. It's a, it's a lot It's a lot more than that. I mean, in a cup game, anyone can can be lucky on a cup game, for example. Do you know what I mean? Like, like Lambeth, Lambeth, the best team. Uh, why are they the best team? Because we've seen them play. Do you know what I mean? Whereas there are teams that, that are probably better than Lambeth. And I love Winger and me and him go way back. By the way, he also played a couple games for Westminster Wanderers back in the day. Um, okay. But there are there are um there are probably teams like up north that we've never heard of that are ridiculously amazing. Like St. Joseph's from from Luton, yeah. the ones that actually beat Lambeth yeah. last year. Um obviously because it's close to where I'm from. I know how good they are. I know a few of their players and I know the sort of level they play at week in, week out. Uh, proper sides. There are, there are very, don't get me wrong, Lambeth, very good team. And probably the best team in London, to be honest, that I've seen. But that's what it comes down to is what we've seen because it's on film. You go, do you think they're better than AFC um, Hammersmith? Because in terms of Andrew's question, I was really impressed by the way that one of the Hammersmith players, they play, I think, now in the Harrow uh, League, has gone on the sign for Middlesbrough uh, in the Championship, which is a pretty good measure of success. But what do you what do you, what would you rate of AFC Hammersmith? They're probably the best team of recent years in the summer Sunday. Yeah, I think um, Andrew. If you don't know, Hammersmith was one of those teams. I think they went like three seasons unbeaten in in yeah, the I do know. Sunday, I think Sunday I, Prem. They, they won. Would, were they due to play under the radar in the cup in the London Cup in the next round? Or yeah, they... yeah, they yeah yeah they were. They were. Something like that, um, it? They've got some. They've got some very good players as well. And again, it just goes back to my point. Every league has good teams because Hammersmith are proper. They won. They be, they've played in London Cup finals. They've played in Surrey Cup finals. They've won Surrey Cup finals. They. I, I don't know if they've won the London any of the London Cup finals. Uh, I think it's only us that have done that for ourselves, on it. <laughs> um, but. Uh, <laughs> But no, Hammersmith is a proper team. Um, Alex is not wrong. They were fantastic. They still are. Uh, and I think they're unbeaten, to be honest. They've moved, uh, but I think they've been unbeaten since they've moved as well. So again, it just goes to show it's not just because it's Southern Sunday. They've moved on and they've, they're still doing fantastic. They do have players that do go on to sign for, for pro clubs. Um, Alex, and I don't know how much you know about um, Lambeth, uh, all stars, but they they they're exactly in the same boat, so to speak, in terms of they have a couple of players. I think they've just had one player that's just signed a pro contract in Scotland at the moment as well, um, Lambeth, yeah, and he scored on his debut. Yeah, well, look, you were a great player in your day for us, and still are, and you and BJ and all those guys. But I took my son to um, uh, Lambeth All Stars when he was uh, small in his trial, 
and they're pretty hardcore, even at seven and eight years old. I, I couldn't yeah. imagine seven or eight years. Year, this year is old. a new. This is, is that recent. That's no, yeah. a little while ago now. But oh. part of the reason I make the point is that um, the guy I set up the the Wanderers with, um, his father, regrettably, when his father was was dying, and I sat and talked to him, and he's a Crystal Palace um, uh, season ticket holder for many years. But he always said, I played in the Southern Sunday League in, in like the, the, the 50s. And that's why we'd never leave, because like you, you grow up with it, you're part of it, it's part of our footballing uh, community. And the idea about going to another league, like you said, Hugo, is sort of, well, what's the point? Because it's just a sort of different shade of grass somewhere else. Um, as long as the league maintains its standards, which is where it is at the moment. Yeah, the, the, it, this is a different... Lambeth side I know the Lambeth they've got a reserve side in our league but this is a different one since right. um since uh Omari Winger took over um most of their players are playing proper semi-pro like yeah. like they've got some like one of their players is at the moment at, um was playing for Hampton and Richmond which is conference um south so that's the type of levels we're talking about yeah, that's that's serious. I think Lambeth, Lambeth All Stars as a club has been going for a long time uh, with the in the Met League. I think predominantly in recent times, but I think they've been given a rebrand and and uh, upskilled significantly with some fantastic signings and some fantastic players. Yeah. Uh, they're looking to do things in the community as well, but that we can save that chat for the Upton and Bromley podcast, not not the Southern Sunday one. <laughs> uh, in terms of lockdown, guys, how has it affected? Uh, your clubs, uh, obviously, we're all disappointed to not be playing football uh, at the moment. We've been really stop-start. I don't really feel like we got started uh, with the season. It felt like we were, it was it was over before we really realised we were playing again. How has lockdown affected your clubs uh, on the whole, Billy? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll go. We're we're based in Battersea Castle. Uh, facilities are very restricted anyway um and obviously you can go out and exercise with one person and you do your bit you go you train with one other um but obviously some of the boys they go out for a job with each other and everything like that but i was over obviously you're over the park the other day and you see a group of 15 shouldn't be with each other but they're 13 14 year olds 15 of them just staring at a cage thinking how do I climb over and at the beginning you don't see that but now that's that's what it's getting like you're yeah. looking mm-hmm. at a group of a group of and that's where we've always we've always stepped in whether if there's a group of people that, that just want to play football and I mean you'll see them walk out the road they might look like trouble but really underneath their tracksuit they're wearing shorts football socks and got a pair of boots in their bag and that's yeah. honestly how it is yeah. you see them the other day and I see them at the top of the road and they're looking at the cage and then you see them at the bottom of the road and they're standing on the street. And it's just like two comparisons. And for us as a club now, it's like we've got a good bunch of people. I'm not saying anyone's bad, but you, that's what we're struggling with at the moment is to try and keep everyone engaged and on that path of, right, football's still a thing. It still exists and we'll be back there soon. But for now, can you just, sort of work with us but occupy, occupy yourself at the same yeah. time and show that self-motivation and yeah. I think as a club as you say you've got no money coming in no you're not we're not charging any any anyone for, for we're not providing anything for them so we're not going to we're not going to yeah. force anything upon them um you're not going to get yeah, you're not going to get those 14 15 year olds to take part in a quiz and all that either are you to try and keep them engaged no, no, uh, <laughs> things like that. You'll you'll chat them in a group. You'll chat them in a group chat, and honestly, it's just two blue ticks, and that's it. <laughs> no, we even no, we even see it. <laughs> any 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 other issues that's been caused during lockdown, uh, Alex? Yeah, look, I agree with Billy. It's it's really difficult to keep people uh, engaged. Uh, in the, the interregnum, when football came back and before it went up again, two things happened uh, with, with us. One, we got massive world record turnouts at training. Everyone wanted to play because they were so determined to come back and there was really nothing else to do. And then sadly, as you chatted to people, you realise that quite a number of them were losing their jobs. 
particularly yeah. our younger players couldn't come to training because they were working all hours and that was um, uh, really difficult but like yeah. Billy said we do Zoom meetings two of the four teams are doing the, the running competitions on, on one of the apps and, and so on but it's a bit hit and miss Same with you Hugo Yeah I'll echo a little bit of what Alex is saying to be fair um, we have a we have a, a chap on our team we, we call him the Hulk Um Bennett so he does well to be fair this lockdown it hasn't happened so much but in the last one it was happening every day where every, uh, half of the team would log, at least half of the team would log in on zoom and he's a personal trainer and everyone would just mash it out and everyone's yeah, just always because our group chat is wild anyway uh, I think Badger mentioned it last time when he did the podcast with yeah. you is like my phone right I've got more than 999 messages on my phone right now and it's all cool. group chat everyone because we're so close everyone is just it. look, it's, it's literally going off now everyone's just always cussing each other always on banter it's always good vibes obviously it's different now because it's over it's over the internet really isn't yeah. it um Whereas when it's face to face, it's completely different, and uh, also is what what comes back to what Billy said as well that there have we have had some players that have found it really tough, um, and I'm sure we'll get into into that yeah we will later on in the podcast. But uh, it's about help trying to do as much to help players, not just motivate themselves, but but keep that motivation as well, whether it be football or whether it be a few of them jumping on on Call of Duty or, or whatever whatever it takes. Um, a lot of the guys do actually end up playing Call of Duty with each other through through the night. I've heard Badger's misses in the background, turn off the TV! <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, is great. <laughs> so, on the subject of mental health, um, obviously we all know that people are, are suffering uh, a bit from uh, not seeing other people or or from losing people from co- from covid um but how important do you think mental health is and and making sure uh, your friends or family or colleagues or neighbors are okay during this time i think it, i think it's huge personally um obviously for us i mean hugo can say it, alex can say it, you're involved in football and it's it's a massive family so for me, I've got untold people that I can talk to every day. If I yeah. want to, I can go and meet one person. I can go and kick a ball about. I can go for a jog. I'm active. But as you mentioned, your family, friends, there'll be people that love watching football, but sort of you're, you're an armchair football supporter. You don't go up, get out on a weekend and go play. So for them, you have to reach out to those people. They're probably suffering. They, they ain't got nothing to occupy the mind. They're probably they're just sitting there. Pause, and I mean, when you get time to yourself, I mean, what? Obviously, I'm not personally suffering, but what do those people think about whilst they're just sitting there? And as you say, if you've lost your job, what support do you have? And mm. I think it's important that as football clubs, with what we have and the people we have around us, we have to reach out to those people, whether they like football or not. It's you're looking at it from a, a person. To person you're not looking at it from a football to football like you might have rivals in football but this is how you just put things aside and you sort of just take it step by step and I mean the Twitters I mean Alex and Hugo yourself will say it your your Twitter handles your Instagram every, anything's open if someone wants to pop a message in there you'll have a chat you'll Definitely. do what you can Absolutely. and I think I think that is important right now to, to express that everyone anyone can talk to anyone Alex have you got any advice for people who may be suffering with anxiety or mental health uh, issues what what would your what would your sort of first piece of advice be to those people I'd build on what Billy said and I agree uh, with uh, Billy that you've got to reach out and talk to people and I think that sports people are probably more resilient than uh, some others I think that the Sport England uh, launched last week about Unite the Movement was quite uplifting because it's Dame uh, Kelly Holmes uh, yeah. talking about people who are walking football and adult football and children's football and lots of other sports and, and no sports, people just walking and saying, we're going to get through this. So I think saying we will get through this 
is important. So uh, when it begins to be over, I'm going to book every football pitch I can find on Clapham Common or Battersea or wherever, because I know I'll have the vets, I'll have the juniors, I'll have the um, uh, adult teams all want to play. And I think that's where we can help. But I think that, you know, my, my best answer to your question would be to say that the authorities, Public Health England, the government have put a lot of effort into this and the Public Health England website and the Better Health uh, campaign they're running. If people really thought, what can I do? Then I think there are resources, but they come down to talk, reach out. It's okay to feel bad. I don't feel great about this. I'm sure you and, and, and Billy and Hugo don't yeah. and our families will be, 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 be the same. So make the connection, I think, would be the best I could uh, offer. Hugo? Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's just, again, to echo what uh, these guys have said, I think it's important to reach out to people, you know what I mean? And it's not just not just football people because not everyone is a football person. Do you know what I mean? And again, I've put it on our Twitter before. I, I, I've had a friend recently take their own life because they they were suffering. Do you know what I mean? And it's not a case of just asking, are you okay? Is, is reiterating that fact, are you really okay? Um, because even if it's on a text message, I think humans are weird. I think I find myself anyway, if somebody, when I'm texting someone, I, I get a sort of vibe, like, whereas they could be, they could be typing absolutely fine. And you just get that feeling. And I think it's act on it. Yeah. It's the most important thing is ask the question. Are you really okay? Let me FaceTime you. Let's have a chat. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about football. Um, myself personally, I've been fortunate enough, um, fortunate and unfortunate um, but mostly fortunate that during this whole thing I've been I've still been working um, whereas I've had to furlough put put on furlough 27 members of staff and even them then they reach out to me boss can we talk blah blah so absolutely anytime anyone that has my number they can give me a call some of my staff will call me just oh, I'm just saying hello and and things like that the fact that they feel they can do that with me uh, makes me feel happy because, you know, a lot of the times I may be busy and I may not see the signs, but the fact that people um, know that they could come to me if they need to have a chat or anything like that is very, is very comforting. It's important. And I think well, the message I think um, Alex said, we do, we need to know, we need to let people know that there will, there is going to be an end to this. We're, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. We've done all the hard work. We've been through the worst days of this now, by the looks of it. And we're all still here talking and uh, looking forward to playing football again. So that's something we, we are strong. We are strong. We've got through the worst of this so we can get through another little bit and, and we'll get back to hating each other on the football pitch again, kicking the lump, kicking lumps out of each other again. Not too, oh, not too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, so lads, the future, I thought we've sort of, that's a good segue there. Uh, the future, what does the future look like for each of your clubs? Let's start with uh, Westminster. So um, I, I, I want to talk to Hugo afterwards and get details from Malta. There's one thing we usually do is go on tour each year. And we've been to Madeira, we've been to Estonia, Finland, France, all sorts of crazy places. And it's a really good way of building people together and, and, and so on. So I don't think we'll do it this year. Um, we've, I, I just uh, want to say, I just want to say, I think my, my old team went to Catford once. There's a team we know called Larn FC and we're thinking about whether we can get to Northern Ireland. At least we're going to see. But it's more hope than expectation. Um, we'll get all the players back on the pitch. We'll build uh, the finances. We'll reach out to people. The interesting thing is where the, the season will, will end. And there's some quite interesting thoughts going around. And again, uh, the great Mr. Graham Rothler has shared some of these about whether essentially the season uh, is, uh, is, is ended or whether the season runs until December 21, because we won't get all the games in uh, before the formal end of the season, because there aren't enough pitches yeah. by uh, June. And whether we had a sort of mini-season in, in January to April 22 and then started probably again in the autumn of, of, of 22. So I think I'll be really interested to see how the authorities 
decide to finish or continue the season during 2021. Whether any of us is going to reach a cup final at the uh, hallowed turf, the AstroTurf of Sutton United, I can only dream about. I think um, I think if we started mid-March, I think if we then extended the season until the end of June, which is being talked about, we got 14 weeks. And I just wonder if leagues are going to try to just creep over that point uh, points per game uh, threshold. I don't know if that got voted in in the Southern Sunday, um, but I wonder if they're going to try and get all the double bankers and all that played in those. If we start mid-March, that um, if that's realistic or not, I don't know. But if we do start in the next few weeks, whether they're going to try and just play double bankers and just creep over that points per game mark, just so they can, you know, timestamp the season. See you later. We don't want to see you again. Let's get on with the next season. Uh, that'd be interesting to see. But I guess a lot of those decisions will be with the the FA rather than the leagues. They sort of have to they have to go with the with the FA's decisions on 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 that type of thing. So it will be very interesting to see um, what happens. I hope. We do come to some conclusion. Two lost seasons is very sad. It's like probably unprecedented in in peaceful times um, for for this type of thing to happen. So uh, let's see. Yeah. Very exciting times. Sport. A couple of, a couple of thoughts on, on that. Yeah. First, it just shows we've all, we've all got to get vaccinated because that's then when our turn comes. Because that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. But the virus is not going away, and no. I, I don't know uh, how it will play out. I hope it will be good, but we we we're not sort of. There are risks ahead. And I think the final point on a sort of positive note, very few of us would have played much football during these first weeks of 2021 because yeah. the weather has been abysmal. And I guarantee yeah. you we've lost most of the weekends of yeah. the early part of this year. Definitely. I think I've, I've, I've sort of had a look at the weather and thought about it. And I, I can really only think of three clear weekends that we've had that, um, that we would have played football. So I'm not sure even through this whole lockdown time this sec this second lockdown how much football would have actually been played anyway so how much it has affected us um i don't know maybe we would have been onto a, a hiding to nothing anyway because of the weather you know at the moment everything's absolutely drenched and um whether we would have whether this is going to affect us for another month so the pitches recover and i mean i don't your your local park pitches will be the same as the pitches here that they just hold water for so for so long that it just seemed to either be dusty or or absolutely soggy. So um, I don't, I'm not sure we would have missed much football in this time. But um, you know, as I say, whether we restart uh, 2021 and get to some uh, unsatis unsatisfactory finish, which it will be um, either way, um, I just hope that we can kick a ball again. I don't think we need a summer break. There'll be if we don't restart the season, I think there'll be some very long pre-seasons being played. Five, six-month pre-seasons. So everyone will be super fit or knackered by the time we get to September. I don't know which. Yeah, I, I, compl I completely agree. I don't think there is a need for uh, a pre-season. I, I think in terms of the Southern Sunday, if the season was to restart in March, I'm pretty sure... You know us by now. Our, our league, our league likes to be very different than every other league. I think we would prioritize the cups. Um, I think Graham takes, and right, rightly so, in my opinion, takes great pride in the Southern Sundays Cup competitions. And having to having lost those last season, yeah, um, he has said to us even before before this lockdown was announced. I mean, our last few games were literally all cup games because he wanted to get us to a point where if we need to say come pre-season so to speak yeah instead of being a pre-season game maybe play a, a semi-final or or a cup final yeah. which to me makes sense yeah definitely. Uh, and hopefully I, th I think in terms of the Southern Sunday obviously I can't speak for them <laughs> but I think that would probably be the ideal scenario for, for our league um, in terms of teams I mean us it's kind of 50-50. We love, we love a cup game. We love cups. Um, if we can play, there's nothing like playing a cup final in front of fans uh, or London cup final that we won. Unfortunately, if it was, if it was played one week later, we would have been allowed to have um, people come to watch. Unfortunately, we played it in front of, I think we were allowed to bring 10 people that I put down our club, as club officials at the yeah. time. Um, and if it, if it means, as Alex said, 
getting the cup competitions down to the cup finals and then being able to play the cup finals at Sutton United like um, the Southern Sun they do every year. We'd be down for that. But then on the flip side, we also don't want to lose another league um, league run due to COVID because obviously yeah. we started last, we came back last, because before we folded, we were in the top, in the Premier, Premier Division. Um, it didn't fare so well for multiple reasons. Um, but then we came back and we actually went two divisions lower. So our, our, since we started, obviously our target has been to go up back to the um, top division with Westminster. Yeah, there's a lot um, of talk. There's a lot of talk. You should be. You should have been there a long time ago. Yeah, but there's reasons. There's reasons that we weren't. We kind of, and that's kind of thing that doesn't get mentioned. And this is why sometimes people mention Graham this, Graham that, but it's not Graham's fault. Graham, if you wanted to turn around and say to me at the time, no, we're not letting you back in the league because of last time, he a hundred percent could have done so. And there could have been nothing that I would have said because he would have been 100% in his right to do so. And pe- people don't really know the background of the story. Um, and I will forever be grateful to Graham for allowing us to come back into the league because it ended uh, in a little bit of a sour note, but our own fault, nothing to do with the league. It was literally, I was young running a team at the time. I didn't know how to deal with things. So I did the natural thing for me at the time, buried my head in the sand. And pretty much went able. So when people say, oh, yeah, you guys should be uh, in the top division in terms of team quality and player quality, probably. However, there's a reason we aren't there and it's not down to the league because th- there's no guarantees when he let us back in the league that we weren't going to do the same thing that we did before. Do you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, he's got to protect his league. Fair enough, Billy. What's Junction Elite going to look like next year? Um, I think bigger than... 25 teams. <laughs> 50 teams next yeah. year. 50 is the aim. Yeah, I think, well, yeah. I mean, the aim is to have, we've, we've got our figures, 400, precise, 404 uh, youth players um, playing football. Um, we've also opened, in the process of when it all comes back, opening multi-sports, because uh, not everyone in the area, like every child is born and wants to play football. Um, yeah. So, You've got to open that. And as I said, we want to have an option for everyone from the age of the youngest is two, two years old, believe it or not. I mean, you get parents now that... that so you're right. That's your right back, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you got you got parents now that want their kids to go make it and uh, Project Mbappe and Twitter, Twitter <laughs> influence um, is there. So, yeah, it's open from two. We're going all the way up to Vex. There'll be women's futsal, tech ball, um, what is it? disabilities. Um, we're going to have a disability team. Uh, refugee is also an option, as Alex mentioned earlier. Um, we've been uh, sort of shown towards. Um, but basically, it is literally just to grow. And when someone in the area says, who do you play for or who provides you your child of sport or something to do with a weekday weekend, this this junction elite. I've got to say, I'm I absolutely hold what you guys are doing in such high regards. I respect it massively. These these clubs that um, put this effort into the community, multiple teams, uh, as Westminster and uh, Junction Elite obviously do in in different varying uh, amounts, obviously. But anyone that that puts the extra bit in, and I'm not having a gut you. Sporting Continental, you're you're a bit separate to these guys, but the that offering kids that type of um, that type of activity or that 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 access to 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 sport is is absolutely fantastic, and um, I can't speak highly enough of you guys for what you're doing, and um, um, you you deserve all the credit, and I hope it goes from from strength to strength on that side of it. Um, I, I, honestly, uh, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. It's, um, I'm overwhelmed by it, in fact. Uh, gents, I think we've reached um, the end of the podcast. All, all that uh, you have to do now is to give your shout out for your team name and your, your social media handles. Uh, and, uh, and, and we'll leave it there. Uh, Hugo, you go first. Uh, really? Uh, <laughs> why change, right? Um, yeah, so... Obviously, uh, people that listen to uh, the Selk stuff 
they've probably heard from me before. If anybody's looking for us, just search up Sporting Continental, even on Google, will be the first thing that pops up. Um, go onto your, our YouTube channel. You can see highlights of all our games. Watch us beat Billy's team uh, on the last game before lockdown. <laughs> Who should have had? Was it Johnson Elite that had a cast iron red not given in that game? Yeah. Sporting <laughs> <laughs> Continental. Oh, and then they went and scored from it. Okay. Oh, God. I thought he would have cut that bit out. Yeah, shout, shout out oh, to uh, Sporting Continental's YouTube content, by the way. I'm not just saying it because he's here, but there's only, there's only really a few teams I watch on YouTube, and that's Sporting Continental, uh, Peck and Meyer good as well. And Obviously, um, SE Dons, I watch them as well. And if I get to do a under the radar game, I watch I watch all my mistakes on their stuff as well. But um, no, it's a really good product. Uh, Billy, what's your what's your team's uh, uh, everything, stuff? Everything is the same on all Twitter, um, Instagram. It's just at Junction Elite. Uh, the DMs are open if you want to play for the club. I mean, if we ain't got a team for you, we'll make one. Let me get my phone out. Hold on. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly how it goes. So yeah, Hugo's just, Hugo's just popped up on my screen. <laughs> best, best, best kit in the game, I, I, I think personally, yeah, with, with your new kit, it's so yeah, good. Thank you, thank you for that. And um, just so you know, the chairman's still wearing your hat. Yeah, he won a hat. We give him a we give him a beanie. We give him a green beanie for the uh, competition we did, and he's worn it a couple of times for us. Uh, Alex. Uh, Westminster's yeah. socials. Yeah, do you, do you watch SE Dons for the football or for the drama and the um, aggro? Great question. All of it, all of it. I think um, I think SE Dons is an entertaining show. It's it's, it's much more than the football um, because I've been involved in their games. Uh, you get to see what they're like off camera and on camera. Uh, it's a little bit different off camera. Um, it is a show that it is a show that they put on. Uh, fantastic blokes, by the way, and uh, they yeah. they they get every. I know they've got some resources, so it's easy to say they put out a brilliant product, but they work for it. And uh, yeah, I do. I, I like it because um, they're very good with the commentary that you obviously don't hear when you're at games. Uh, it's very entertaining, and the entertainment factor is the bit that has made them as famous or as popular um, as they are. Because you know, YouTube is such a is such a. I don't, I don't think there would be a. a there is a massive light on Sunday League at the moment. I don't think that would have been there without SC Dons. And I, I think they get a lot of, like you say, you, you, you've seen them off camera. I actually went to secondary school with a couple of their players. Yeah. So I know what they're like off camera, but I, I don't think that they get the credit. Uh, they, they get a lot of credit, don't get me wrong, but they don't get, they get a lot of stick too. And some of it I think is unwarranted. Uh, I think they have, a lot of it they want. I think a lot of it, a lot of it they want. A lot of the yeah, hundred percent because it, it helps their tagline. Why don't controversy? Why don't, why don't con- controversy creates cash, right? Yeah, I mean they they do a fantastic job. Shop. I know <laughs> you look at you look at teams like Sporting Continental and Peck and Meyer where they may have put a little bit of cash into it, but those teams are getting hundred percent out of what they their resources to to to, to produce their YouTube. Um, show and and they deserve a lot of credit. But Essie Dons, even with all the the resources they've got, you know, you'll see there's four or five cameras there around the game. They've got full time staff working on the production side of things, so you know they're putting it back in as well. And you know, I hope Essie Dons can take all of this, um, the light that's current that they that they do bring. They're, we mustn't forget there's other teams in Sunday League football as well that have been around for fifty plus years and 20 plus yeah. years but se dons at the moment i hope that they can they can put some down down some solid foundations uh, and uh, put into the community uh, uh, literal things so um youth teams and all that stuff and build on it as well because it will make it'll make a real good legacy for them over and above uh youtube they don't i'm not sure they're, they're, they might not be that bothered, but uh, for me, if I reach that level that they're on, I'd want to put down um, permanent foundations in, in grassroots football. I'm sure that I'm sure that's on their mind to to put some kind of legacy down. Um, yeah. Back to back to Westminster. What's yeah, it you're, looking you're like? right. They're, they're, they're pioneers and they're great entertainment and they're good footballers as well. So they create the brand and they're leading. So shout out to the referees, Andrew. I mean, big change in some Sunday in these past twenty years is we have hundred percent referee coverage over all those games, over hundreds of games over, over many seasons. It wasn't always like that. 
and you'll find um, uh, Westminster at uh, Westminster WFC on Twitter. And as the guys say, you'll find us on uh, YouTube and Instagram. Instagram is actually probably the, the, the most powerful bit, unless you've got great uh, production values like sporting or like um, SE DOMs, and then you can dominate YouTube. But uh, Twitter's pretty useful as well. <laughs> yeah, we stick to Twitter. Actually, Twitter, the, the way we built Twitter for us on the podcast, we essentially, we don't think we, we need a website now for... For, yeah. for this it doesn't really lend itself that well to having a website so we use social media essentially like a website yeah. and um but yeah um it's it's great fantastic guys thank you for your time uh tonight well done on on everything you've achieved today i'm sure it sounds like you're you're all clubs set up for success in the future um hopefully i'll definitely speak to hugo in our all around the league show uh next New season number, <laughs> and uh, we'll hear more about the Southern Sunday uh, on the All Around the League show but guys thanks for your time tonight and I wish you all the best stay safe and enjoy your football when we get it back thank Cheers, you Andrew see you go bye bye goodbye guys having trouble tracking who can play and who can't Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.